Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet Online, where the game starts. I understand it's not something comfortable to talk about, like your sexual function or your sexual performance. But don't sell yourself short. It is important. But you know what else is kind of important? Not being totally embarrassed by going to a pharmacy or having to deal with a doctor when you're talking about prescriptions when, with some of these drugs to help you perform up to snuff in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes in, okay? It is the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at a fraction of the price. And the best part is, is you don't have to deal with anybody. It comes right to your door. You're never ever gonna be as happy as you are now to see the postman coming when you know that the package for your package is right there, all thanks to Blue Chew. Do yourself a favor, head to bluechew.com, use the promo code LIKES, get your first month for free and see what I'm talking about because you deserve to have the best sex of your life. And thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. (laughs) Yes, bitch! Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey Who Likes You Are You Who Is Liked. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get down to business. I want to talk about my Patreon, okay? If you're interested in more detailed assistance, if you're interested in having someone on your side for the accountability of me being there to help you with your training and your nutrition and having it change and grow and adapt as you move forward, as maybe things come up in your life, you get a new job, you have a kid, sometimes you got to tail back on the intensity or the volume. Uh, if you come into a place where now you're working from home a lot more so you can train a little bit harder, a little bit more, you're getting a little bit more rest, you can up the uh, intensity, you can up the volume, you got better recovery, whatever it is. You start taking some drugs. Um, I'm there for you. That's at the top tier is that I'm your personal nutritionist and coach and uh, trainer. We can do it digitally. I offer Zoom calls, 24-hour access to me with a email address tailored just for my top tier clients. Um, And I really enjoy doing it. And the people I've had the luxury of coaching really enjoy it as well. And they see results. And it makes me feel good. And it gives me accountability too in the opposite direction. So that's available as well as the other tiers with lots of what I think to be really good information. Check it out. Help a brother out. And uh, I'm not just uh, asking for money. There's a value to it. I really do think so. That was something that I really wanted to do and make sure of when I started the Patreon was that I wasn't just kind of grifting and asking for money. 
that I was going to provide something that makes it of tremendous value to you. This Sunday, in fact, there's going to be a live Q&A just for patrons, and you can find out all about it at my Patreon. Link is in the profile. Check it out. Uh, first attachment, okay? First attachment makes the best nutritional supplements on the planet. The most effective, there's nothing there that you're just going to waste your money on. Everything that they tailor is for you to help achieve your goals and to be in better health. The OOP stack, which is the organ opt optimum organ protection uh, stack, it's fantastic, taking care of your internal organs. Even if you're not using performance-enhancing drugs, your internal organs do take an undue stress just from the lifestyle of lifting hard and training intensely and eating a lot, eating a lot of protein and things like that. These are your internal filtration systems and they do have an undue stress from wanting to live a lifestyle of those top one percenters, okay? You, you put uh, performance enhancing drugs, especially the orals on top of that, and now you have yourself a situation where you really wanna be looking out for your internal organs, your kidneys, your liver, your prostate, your blood pressure, your blood sugar, all of that needs to be regulated and the OOP stack has everything you need to take care of that, okay? Everything else at first detachment is absolutely world-class. It's the top tier, it is the best stuff you can buy. Their intro workout nutrition is essential for me with car cyclic uh, carbs, uh, highly branched cyclic dextrin, um, essential amino acids, electrolytes, and all that stuff just gets shuttled into your cells as you're training, increasing performance dramatically, increasing recovery dramatically. Subsequently, you get better, better results. Guarantee it. And the W2, W, geez, Louise, what's going on with me today? Took a uh, Bob Hope roofie before I got in here. Um, the WTF, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot pre-workout. The best pre-workout there is. You get so focused and not over the top jittery, just tuned in, man. Great ingredient profile. Check it all out. I have a link in the profile below, excuse me, in the show notes below, and the code Mike10 is there for you to save some money and to let them know that I sent you. All right, so I have a top tier client. His name is Mark. Mark sent me a message via my Twitter account. Excuse me, no, I don't have a Twitter account because it got hacked. Uh, via my Instagram account. I should start all over. That's how many mistakes I've been making. Um, via my Instagram account, Mark, my top tier client. The one, for those of you who are consistent listeners, who is a black belt, who on the day that I got promoted to purple belt, came out to Gracie Humaita Cedar Park and then congratulated me and beat the fuck out of me. That is Mark. He's a good dude. And he's in great shape. And he's one of my clients that I'm like really proud of because he sees how his life is changing. Sometimes he's rolling more. Sometimes he's off the mats a little bit so he can kind of alter his volume. And, it, and he stays in close contact with me, okay? A lot of people who then sign up for my, um, my top tier or get engaged with any coach or, or trainer, you feel like you're bothering them. And the reality is, is like, no, the more and more you're in my ear, the more and more I'm capable of helping you, okay? And that's one big mistake that a lot of people make is like, look, you're paying someone money to do a job for you, make, make it so that they can do the best job possible. And if you're, if you're scared to kind of get in contact, um, then, then you run into those problems. So, but Mark is like really on it and he's really in good shape and he's, he's a high performer. Um, and he asked this question, which 
kind of on the surface doesn't seem like necessarily that dense, but in reality, it unlocks a lot of stuff that's really, really, really worthy of talking about. And I'm glad he sent it because it got me thinking and it's gonna lead us into everything we're talking about here on the show. Uh, how important is a pump? What does it actually do? Does it stimulate growth? Okay, the pump is that feeling you get when your muscles are expanded and, and just chock full of what is mostly fluids at that point, okay? And it, it feels like something pumped the, the muscle up. If, if it was a balloon or a, a beach ball, right? Your, let's say your biceps and you're doing reps. And the more and more reps you can do, the more and more it fills out and it just feels like it, your skin's gonna burst. That's the feeling of the pump. Bodybuilders in particular are always chasing the pump because it is kind of a crucial aspect of hypertrophy. Here's the thing about the pump, okay? It is a different style of stimulus compared to, say, tension or a myoplasmic tension, a myoplasmic stimulus. There's a sarcoplasmic stimulus, which is pretty much the pump. There's the two different ones. For the sake of not using fancy-schmancy scientific terms, we'll say tension and volume. The pump is about volume. It's about taking moderate weight and doing it for lots of reps and just driving that kind of stimulus into the muscle cell and subsequently you get the response, that pump feeling, okay? You don't get necessarily a, a big pump feeling from doing lower repetitions and you don't even have to go into the power lifter, Olympic lifter low, but the, the, the five to eight, a lot of times you're not necessarily getting a tremendous feeling of pump and a lot of people think that that means you're not getting a lot of gains. And the reality is, is that there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to breaking down volume and tension or high volume, high intensity. The two kind of worlds live in separate kind of places, okay? There is a Venn diagram in the middle where they both intersect, which is where everyone should wanna be. There is no need to go without developing high levels of tension or lifting heavy weights for lower repetitions. You're going to kind of forego the pump, but there's also no real reason to exclusively train in those low reps, even if your goal is to just be super strong, okay? Hypertrophy or muscle growth, for the most part, does come from those higher rep ranges with moderate weight. There's a reason why bodybuilders for years have trained in that rep range and seen those results. If you want to have exceptional levels of high muscle growth, there has to be points where you're, you're getting like skin tearing pump and you're dealing with that high rep. Here's what people really, really misunderstand about that form of training, which I think should be done, is that you associate higher rep with lighter weight to the point that it kind of diminishes the quality of that training. In order to receive that stimulus that you're looking for, that sarcoplasmic kind of pump-based stuff, you have to lift moderately heavy weights. You're not gonna, uh, no one lifts super heavy weights for 20 reps, you know? Ronnie Coleman does, okay? But Ronnie Coleman, even look in his prime, what Ronnie Coleman was lifting for 15 to 20 reps, was incredibly heavy compared to Earth. But it's nowhere near what Ronnie Coleman was lifting for two reps, okay? And, and he would do both, which almost all great physique athletes do. 
Now you may be saying, look, I wanna be a power lifter. I don't really care. Well, you're wrong. Okay, one of the greatest strength athletes and strength coaches in the world is Matt Wenning. Check out what he had to say on the first attachment talk. And I'm thinking, well, fuck, maybe I could do some pre-volume, learn to be tired. Then when I do the main lift, nothing can make me too tired. Fast forward about three months later, I I, uh, I start talking to Flex Wheeler and I'm like, Flex, I need more muscle mass. He goes, I never put on more muscle mass than doing sets of 20s. And I'm thinking, really? Like, I never do 20 reps as a power lifter. Well, maybe 20, 25 reps, maybe that'll force me not to use a high enough intensity to go heavy, but it'll also be enough reps to build GPP or conditioning. Mm -hmm. So light bulb number one, bing. Light bulb number two, potentiation of weak muscle groups to enhance form and start making my lifts go up because of my technical ability. Bing. Light bulb two. Light bulb three, I start realizing that if I can build my work capacity up, no matter how much I squat or bench, I'm always going to be higher capacity to restore even during that day of the contest. Light bulb number three. The thing of it is to kind of dumb it down for everybody is you cannot build strength on a no conditioning base. Mm -hmm. You cannot build muscle mass if you don't have the conditioning to recover or work out dense enough to put on any muscle. So for instance, if I'm in my peak shape and I can get a workout done with the same volume in 50 minutes that somebody else takes two and a half hours to do, who's going to put on more muscle? Me, because I got in the gym, got the shit done, got out and started the recovery process an hour and a half faster than this other person. It's no different than endurance training, okay? These intervals that you do, uh, if you're if you're a runner, if you're a, a cyclist, okay, these intervals, these high intensity intervals you're doing, you're you're elevating your threshold. What the amount of pain, the amount of performance you're able to tolerate, how high you can go. But you need to be doing the aerobic stuff, the long distance kind of slower zone two stuff, in order for you to be able to recover from those insanely uh, demanding intervals and in like high performance, high output things, and. Strength sports are exactly the same. The same thing goes when I see fighters, and I've been really lucky to be around world-class, world-class fighter, UFC champions, boxing Muay Thai champions. I'm watching them train their strength and conditioning, sometimes training alongside them. And in order to be able to hit that 17-hit combo, pushing a guy up against ropes, pushing a guy up against cage, with maximum output, You have to be training, obviously, the high output stuff. But if you're not training kind of that base endurance stuff, the zone two, the really slow long distance stuff, you won't be able to recover from that flurry. The fight is over. If you don't knock the guy out, literally you're done because you can't raise your hands. Okay, so the two work in tandem. The high output stuff raises your, your ceiling for how high you can go how hard and how heavy and how, how much output you can do. But the aerobic stuff allows you to do that with more frequency and to recover from that, okay? If rounds over, ding, 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 you go back to your seat, a well-conditioned athlete will be able to bring his heart rate down to a reasonable level within that one-minute break. That's where that long-distance stuff comes in. Because... You can run a marathon and be great, and and if you're not doing any of the high output stuff, you're not even going to be capable. Trust me, if you're not training it specifically, go and hit a heavy bag with every all your might. You're going for knockout punches, right? Try to do three or four of them, and you'll be like, oh, you want me to do this for 30 seconds? No way. You can't do it for three, okay? But if you specifically only train that, 
try to recover from these one minute long just flurries of guy, guy, you know, leg kicks and stuff like that. The two work in tandem. And the same exact thing goes when it comes to strength training, when it comes to bodybuilding, when it comes to powerlifting, when it comes to Olympic lifting. There has to be base level of general physical preparedness because that allows you to recover from the bouts of extreme output. Okay? And the extreme output really does give you the better ability to then use more weight when you're going for the higher rep stuff. Um, the two have to be done. If you're looking to grow and you feel like you've stagnated, more than likely you have to program in the alternative to what you've been leaning into. There's a reason why you say, well, bodybuilders train in higher rep ranges with moderate weight. How come I'm doing 10 sets of 20 push-ups every morning and I don't see my chest getting any bigger? Because that resistance isn't increasing. Okay, the stimulus body's incredibly adaptive. And the body, the human body is incredibly specific. <clears throat> Not only does the body rather quickly adapt to a certain style of training, a body can adapt and see different results from just doing the same exercise in the same rep range with different form. That is how unique and specific adaptations are to the stimulus that you're providing your body. Okay? So that's another reason why I kind of like people to stop this idea of like exercise being exercise being exercise. This monolithic idea of like, well, I'm overweight. I want to get in shape. I want to look muscular and lean. So I'm going to go running. I, I, I'm burning lots of calories. Obviously, this is going to work. My legs are going to look muscular because I'm going on runs. No, they're not. There's a very unique, specific form of contraction and stretch. That needs to happen for muscle cells to grow, to, to, for muscle cells to have more density, to be harder, to be firmer in comparison to muscles to just grow in size, to fill up with fluid and to kind of have that uh, expansion. There's fascial expansion. There's that, like I said, the myoplasmic growth that comes from like, like a, a deep, heavier weight, kind of really digging deep and providing a lot of force. There's a different type of growth that comes with pushing it to the absolute extreme when you're like getting to rep 12 and you're, you got to do six more, you got to want to be done at rep 12 and still get to 18. That's what people miss out on when it comes to like bodybuilding style training. I see a lot of people, they come to me and they, they're having confusion when it comes to why they're not seeing results because they followed Chris Cormier or Flex Lewis's program. And they're like, well, Flex Lewis does this many reps and Jay Cutler does a lot of volume. Jay Cutler was legendary, right? For not really necessarily taxing his system a lot, but he was training with incredible volume and with incredibly high reps and lots of uh, variety when it came to exercise selection. Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, the problem is, is that people think that I'm going to just get to 15 reps. And so that means I'm training in high volume. No, you have to be getting to 15 reps and wanting to quit at 11. It's not just a matter of picking up two-pound dumbbells and doing 15 reps with them being like, fuck, my biceps are going to grow. I got in that rep range. No, no, you have to find weights that you're... It's miserable. True bodybuilding training, bodybuilding style training, is miserable. Powerlifters will tell you. These are men and women who are lifting exorbitant amounts of weight, crazy amounts of weight. And that in and of itself can come with a real struggle. Everyone knows what it's like to put super heavy amounts of weight 
on a leg press or a, or a squat or a deadlift and you get got to dig deep and you're like, shit, oh my God, I can't. And you figure out a way to kind of keep pulling with form staying intact, but you're pulling and you're like, God, to achieve it, it takes a certain grit, right? The people who are the best at the world at that will go and do four sets of 20 in the squat with a, with a competent power lifter, excuse me, a competent bodybuilder. And it's, it, it's hell, it's hell, it's going to hell. I will train you know, extreme maximum levels of strength any day over the, the horror that comes with a, a higher volume, a collection of higher volume sets when it comes to, to legs. There's nothing worse than doing 20s on a leg press or a squat. It's, it, it's a million times worse than doing sets of six, sets of four. No matter how heavy it is, because you got to go. It's you got to go to hell. It's suffering. Bodybuilding is who can tolerate more suffering. Suffering in how you're eating. Suffering in how you're training. Suffering in the sacrifices you make in your lifestyle. That's why it's it's kind of even though it's kind of kooky from an outsider's point of view, it is. These are grown men and women putting tanning lotions on their body in like skimpy swim trucks and then doing routines. It's kind of silly. It's absolutely silly. But what it means to do that, it takes such ridiculous 24 hour attention in detail. Um, but that's where, you know, kind of the divide is, is, is made between people who are like, well, if I train like a bodybuilder, my muscles will grow. Not necessarily true because it's not just what's on paper. It's what goes into creating those 15, 16, 17, 18 reps, okay? So the separation of volume and tension, see those there. The reality is, is that both are needed. You have to be able to increase your maximal levels of strength in order for your muscle to grow when you're trying to adapt in those higher rep ranges, Okay, if you're constantly lifting the same weights for 15 reps, you really will not see the results that you want. You can start adding in other things. If you, let's say you, you have a garage gym and you don't have any more weight and you're not gonna buy any more weight, you could start increasing the time under tension. Okay, just a much longer negative, much longer positive, or a pause. There are other ways to add tension without adding weight. Adding weight is by far usually the most effective and the most clear. But you got it. You can't just say like, "Well, I I bench press ten reps for one thirty-five, two forty-fives on it. I go, okay, and I'm going to do that next week too, and I'm going to do that next week too." There has to be some increase in the amount of tension you're creating, even though you're going for higher reps. <clears throat> so that's why the the kind of strength endurance or the the regular endurance kind of the endurance athlete needs maximal output and to train that to increase the amount of the higher ceiling so that you can go longer. The strength athlete needs to train the more endurance-based stuff in order to build up his or her ability to recover from when they're doing the high output, okay? More muscle mass is going to equate to larger amounts of strength in the long run. It is the two are not directly connected. Some of the strongest people in the world don't necessarily have tons of muscle mass. Some of the people with the largest muscle mass aren't necessarily some of the strongest in the world. But the two have to keep going back and forth and working in tandem if you want to see continual increases in your ability 
to do things, okay? One of the biggest misconceptions I think a lot of people have is when they see um, men's fitness or physique models or women's bikini, uh, a women's wellness, some of these, these, these are non-bodybuilders. These are people who have more regular looking physiques that are just what most people find appealing. There's this assumption that they don't lift heavy weights. My friend Mike Safi, who is the Olympia, he's Olympia caliber men's physique, natural by the way, um, he's so freaking preposterously strong that I, I'm like, I see the guy just like doing flat back legs up bench press with like three plates, like it's nothing. And it's just because he's super lean and not necessarily a mass monster, there's this assumption that you don't necessarily have to, like I'm gonna just do it with some push-ups and some, uh, some band work. Well, no, no, you're not. You're absolutely not. Even if you don't wanna be a mass monster, even if you don't wanna be this big bulky thing, the need for high levels of tension, this is the myoplasmic growth, is, is there. The two, you have to raise your ceiling constantly and you have to raise your ability to recover from those high output um, efforts. So what do you do? Do you periodize you know, different blocks? You can do that. That can be really beneficial for older fucks like me, okay? I, I love to program these like lower volume, kind of high intensity training, kind of Dorian Yates style stuff, even full body. This is, this is what I program most people on and this is what I do for myself. But my 44-year-old joints can only take so much. My 44-year-old system, my central nervous system can only take so much. Okay, so I still do it. I'm not doing it all the time. Like I may have gotten away with when I was 22. Um, so what I do is I program in four, six weeks, three or four times a year, sometimes more, where I'm doing 15 to 20 reps. The weights are still damaging to me, but they're, they're kind of avoiding that zone where I'm putting my central nervous system through this extreme level of demand, okay? Uh, I will do that. I do think that if you're young and healthy and you're not doing a lot of physical stuff outside of being in the gym, there's a great way to do that while you're, you could do it all in one workout. You could do it all, and you can feel free to do that if you're an old fuck like me. I'm just saying that it, it seems to me that I, I, it works out really well when I move away from basing everything around compound movements, uh, really heavy weights, for like a good period of time. A couple months, I'll go four to eight weeks and just train more classic bodybuilding hypertrophy, okay? And I, my, my body starts to feel better. I do see a boost in like my growth, like my muscles start to pop a little bit more but I miss out on some of that higher output stuff, okay? And uh, after that, my body can recover. When I go back to lifting heavy, I will miss out on maybe a, a small percentage of my maximal strength, simply because I haven't been practicing those movements. Um, the skill of it kind of goes away. There's a neuro neurological factor of like not practicing heavy deadlifts. You don't, you're not gonna be as good at heavy deadlifts, but my capacity to be strong seems to almost always go up. Okay, I, I've given myself the ability to train harder and train, uh, get more done in a shorter amount of time, and I can recover quickly. Quick, <laughs> yeah, I can recover more quickly. Okay, um, so you can do that, or you can program in the same. Start off with those heavy compound movements. Start your leg day with the squat. Warm up huge. Okay, just go for it. Then after that, you can do supersets with leg extension and leg 
press. And uh, if you're gonna be more glute and hamstring based, you know, you could do leg curls right into like high rep uh, straight leg deadlift or Romanian deadlift. Some hip thrusts to get the glutes involved. You know, the, the, but you started off with like five reps, super heavy weight, working your way up and just slamming it on the squat, okay? You're building, yeah, all the stabilizing muscles are, are being taxed greatly. Um, and then you can go on to the higher rep, higher volume stuff and start to really feel push that burn. I think that's a really, really smart and practical way to, strength, to train for like power building, strength training with the added benefit of hypertrophy involved, okay? You can also separate the two. One thing you have to understand though, that people are like, well, if you get better contraction with a chest press instead of a bench press, then I don't necessarily need to do bench press because I just want to get the desired result. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where there's not, a, it's impossible to kind of get really, really useful scientific information on stuff like this because it would take a 30-year study off of all different walks of life at different ages at different training styles with different training histories. And we, no one has the luxury of doing that, okay? But what we have seen is like, yeah, you can say that. You can take a machine and measure the amount of tension and the amount of stimulus that you get from, say, like a leg extension in comparison to a squat. The, the amount of contraction, the amount of stimulus you're getting in the quad muscles is way higher with a leg extension. Does that mean you shouldn't squat? Absolutely not. Here's the best analogy I can, I can give you. The NBA is about to go into free agency, right? Okay, so you're talking about these teams that are going to either rebuild or just try to preserve a dynasty. And I was thinking about like the, the Lakers because they're the best team uh, ever of all. And anyone who denies that is wrong. And I'm clearly not biased. I'm speaking objectively. So I'm thinking about, I've been a season ticket holder. My family has. I, I've never had the luxury of being a season ticket holder to the Lakers. But my dad uh, has had season tickets to the Lakers and the Dodgers since before I was born and still does. So I was, I, had, I was really lucky. I was there when Gibson hit the home run in the 88 World Series. I was there for Showtime Lakers. I was there for Shaq and Kobe. I was there, okay? So you see, you need Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You need them to have a championship team. But you can't win championships without Michael Cooper and James Worthy. You can't, it, it's impossible, right? And you could apply this to any team in any sport. But you, you need Magic Johnson and Kareem. Those are your deadlifts and your squats. You can't build a workout program around leg extensions and, and preacher, machine preacher curls. But you can't build a beautiful physique without those, okay? You need cream and you need magic. That's what you, that's what you build your team around. But you can't win without James Worthy and Michael Cooper. If, you know, who else? You know, Kurt Rambis. Okay, so take that analogy and apply it. You need to do compound, basic compound movements and you need to do them in an uncomfortably heavy fashion, obviously putting form at, as paramount importance. But if you really want to have a beautiful physique, you have to be doing a, a, a good and, and practical amount of isolation movements where you're really focusing on contracting the muscle you're intending to train. Because the most, the biggest downside to heavy compound movements, and that's why most power, some do, but 
you would think the best powerlifters in the world would look like Jack, would look like superhero, comic book superheroes. They mostly don't. You touch them, you're like, oh, Jesus, that guy's carved out of wood. That woman is just absolutely rock solid. But they're, they're often, they don't look like the people you see in bodybuilding shows. And you would think sometimes these bodybuilders that you see would be able to deadlift 850 pounds, 900 pounds, and they can't, okay? Um, th- th- because there's this trade-off where you start to go in different directions. Both are necessary. The way of training for both is necessary to achieve success in either direction. The greatest power lift in the world, you'd go, go to super training in California, go to Barbell Brigade in, in LA, go to, uh, I, I've been out in a big tech here in Central Texas, obviously West Side. Go to the greatest powerlifting gyms. There's a hypertrophy component. They're doing high rep stuff. There's hypertrophy. It's, it builds kind of better stability basis and it gives you larger muscle mass to help. And long term, you're going to move more weight. Some of the, the best bodybuilders in the world, are they doing a lot of machine work? Yes, hell yes. Are they doing a lot of like isolation stuff? Absolutely. Sometimes predominantly. Because they're looking to maximize contraction and stretch of the muscles they're intending to train. But almost all of them are incorporating components either throughout the year or throughout the workout where they're going, they're getting nasty on more compound stuff. Okay, so like I said, you, you, you build around the compound heavy movements, but you can't win without the, 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 the awesome sixth man. And those awesome sixth man, a lot of times, is going to be cable laterals and you know, machine preacher curls and whatever it may be. Um, and one of the biggest things that I found uh, that makes me so angry about functional fitness, and I'm not just CrossFit, there's a lot of these people out there that are... Like, I don't need to do bicep curls because, uh, you know, that, you know I, I do my chins and I don't need to build my bicep and that. Everything, body works as a unit. It's like, yeah, body works as a unit. Uh, let's, let me choke you. Let Nikki Rodriguez or Gordon Ryan, some of the greatest grapplers in the world, they're doing tons of isolation arm work, okay? And... To me, the most functional fitness there is is having lots of muscle and very little fat. There's no, nothing more functional than that. I don't care that you did a 150-pound Turkish getup when you're a scrawny pipsqueak with a big floppy belly. And a lot of you, uh, don't look at the CrossFit games. Don't go to like high-level CrossFit people just at your local CrossFit gym. They train like crazy, and they don't have a sizable amount of muscle, and they have lots of body fat. Okay, I analyze the functionality of having very low body fat and high amounts of muscle. Yeah, you're, you know, in a very narrow way, there could be function above and beyond being jacked. But let me tell you, like, you can't say it's not functional to do a tricep extension because I do close grip bench press. Well, no, it is because your triceps are bigger and capable of doing more work for a longer period of time. Um, when I when you try to go into side control and I push you off of me with one hand, I fucking push you the fuck away. Or if I slide my arm in and you've been doing all your CrossFit circuits and someone slides their arm in and squeezes your fucking head off, it's, it's functional. Trust me. Trust me. 
Okay, so just analyze things and understand that I love people going to extremes. Okay? I love the idea of wanting to behave in the extremes. But don't think in extremes. I'm not only going to do, I don't think of, I'm only doing powerlifting movements because I don't need anything else. I, I don't need to be super strong, so I'm only doing isolation movements. I love, uh, low, I'm only eating protein and fat because I don't need carbs. I don't need carbs. I only eat vegan because I only, that's all I need. I, it, it, like these extreme levels of, these extreme ideas, these extreme ways of thought are going to get you nowhere. Now, wanting to behave in an extreme way, that's pretty sweet, and it'll probably end up getting you to where you want to be, okay? So take your extreme nature, the extreme thinking, and apply it to how hard you train and how fucking kick-ass you're going to be with your diet. But don't think in these like bipolar extremes because that's not the way it is. Yeah, there's a, there's a really, really high value to high-volume work. There's a really, really high value to high-intensity work. I'll never forget, uh, and I'll end it on this. I was doing this panel or some podcast, a digital podcast during the pandemic, where I remember it was on Zoom, and it was a bunch of nutrition experts, and, and they were arguing over like plant-based versus carnivore. And he's like, well, Mike, you know, get, what's your take? You know, look at an apple versus a steak, and you're talking about nutrition value and its importance. And I go, uh, both, dude. I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry to both guys. I go, I have both. That's the way I look at it. And I'm not trying to skirt the issue. And I'm not trying to take sides, you know, avoid taking sides. I don't think, I think it's fucking crazy that we're having this argument. I think an apple is an incredible food for your health and your performance. I think ribeye is incredible food. for, And I eat both of them. And I don't, I eat grains and I eat vegetables and I eat fruit and I eat meat and I eat because uh, I'm a omnivore and I'm a fucking primate and uh, I do okay with it and I, fe- I find a lot of value in all of it. I'm extreme in how I monitor it, but I don't have to have these extreme like reductionist thoughts of like, well, only this, only that. No, the same goes for training. If you really want to have like the total package of uh, of performance or your physique, just the aesthetic, there's place and time for really pushing the high reps and getting that pump and making that skin bursting pump and watching pumping iron and seeing Arnold do ah more, more, ten more, ten more. There's also, believe me, there's there's a very important spot for you to put that bar on your back with ninety percent of your one rep max and try to get three. I think both have to be done, all right? So I also wanted to give you some insight into what the, the two are and what they achieve, and then uh, why you need to find a, the best way to incorporate both. And if you're struggling figuring that out, why not sign up for my top tier at my Patreon? Show, show notes below, there's the link. I'd love to help out. And thank you so much. Blue Chew, bet online, first detachment, and to all you people out there watching, listening. Tell a friend, like, and subscribe. A huge percentage of you are not even subscribed, so help a brother out. Go ahead and hit that bell button or go on whatever it is on podcasts and hit the subscribe, and let's go. Come on now. Say goodbye to my birds who are making way too much noise, the guinea fowl out there. Uh, In this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.